spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And fans, have we got a treat for you. We are interviewing tonight uh, Jamie Arrington with the Southern Miss Podcast To The Top Talk. And uh, should be a really good conversation. We break down, you know, like we do, a little bit of questions, a couple of questions about the program, uh, a couple of questions offense, a couple of questions defense, uh, all with the idea of getting helping us get to know the opponent a little bit. We don't have to be masters of their roster like we are ours, but it helps to know some of the key players that uh, that we can expect to see uh, perform and produce uh, for the opponent on Saturday. And so that's what we do here. Uh, it's also good uh, conversation, I think, and I say this uh, before uh, the recording with Jamie, and, and I share this uh, it's part of the recording as well, and we talk about this a little bit. From where I sit as a fan, uh, I have seen us play Southern Miss quite a lot, and especially when I was in school uh, during the Gene Stallings era. It seems like we played them every year, and it was always a tough contest. And In fact, they beat us uh, a few times. I think they beat us in Gene's uh, opening game, and, uh, and they beat us in subsequent seasons as well. It was always a really tough uh, contest, but there was a mutual respect that uh, that came out of that. So we play a lot of teams that, not that I dislike them, I'm more indifferent about them. And uh, Southern Miss, maybe it's because of my age and I look back to my collegiate years and I remember playing them, it just seemed like every every week. Uh, and uh, a lot of 11 o'clock games driving up to Tuscaloosa uh, or driving up to uh, Birmingham, so to speak. And um, uh, but I just have a lot of fond memories of, uh, of playing Southern Miss. And, uh, you know, they're not at the top of their perch uh, now like they were. Uh, but we talk about their coach, Will Hall, and we talk about what he's building there and the excitement that, that exists uh, within the fan base. And so if you're anything like me that has a little bit of nostalgia uh, for a Southern Miss, then I think you'll enjoy that part uh, of the, the conversation. Uh, if you just want to know about the opponent, then, hey, we've got some of that in there, too. And then we have sort of an interesting sort of uh, extra conversation at the end. Uh, Jamie, um, at one point, was the mascot, the Seymour is what they call him, the mascot for the Golden Eagles. And so he talks about some of his experience uh, as the mascot. We ask him uh, a couple of interesting questions about that as well. And so good fun uh, conversation with uh, Jamie Arrington with To The Top Talk and uh, as we lead up to our Southern Miss Southern Miss contest on Saturday, and uh, with that, I'm going to hand it off to the interview. Welcome, podcast fans. Have we got a treat for you? We have Jamie Arrington with To the Top Talk Southern Miss Golden Eagle Podcast, and uh, we have a lot of conversations or a lot of topics that we want to engage Jamie with around Southern Miss. And we have some very interesting things that Jamie has done that, that I think we'll have some interesting time talking about after sort of the football talk as well. Jamie, welcome. Dave, thanks for having me. I, I was born in Birmingham with a, with a banjo on my knee. I don't know if that's a thing. But yeah, it's uh, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. You know, it's, it's always a treat when we get together with the Crimson Tide. So Absolutely. I'm sure it'll be a fun week in Tuscaloosa. <clears throat> Absolutely. Hey, talk about uh, first year head coach uh, Will Hall. Listen to a couple of uh, his interviews. 
he seems a very impassioned coach. Uh, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse with uh, one of uh, the the more strange or more interesting quotes uh, earlier this season. He talked about uh, he talked about that he thought he was the biggest fraud in the last 50 years. I don't know who he has in mind, you know, after that, Mark. But uh, nonetheless, uh, very interesting. But he seems very genuine and really cares about the team, really cares about the players. I know it's his first year. This will be his fourth game. What's the overall impression uh, across the fan base for uh, Coach Hall? Well, first off, to put that in perspective, you talk about the biggest fraud in the past 50 years. I'm, I have to clarify it is without a doubt Ellis Johnson. Ellis Johnson inherited a 12 and 2 Southern Miss team and took them to an 0 and 12 Southern Miss team. That is downright impressive. I don't think there will ever be a feat in college football history that will be topped, such as the uh, immediate decline of the Golden Eagles at the hands of Ellis Johnson. So I will, I will, I will go ahead and, and erase some of his credibility on that particular quote. But I think overall, everybody's really excited about Will Hall. To, to understand kind of how Will Hall's enthusiasm is magnified. So this time last year, we had Jay Hobson as the head coach at Southern Miss. Well, I say this time last year. At the start of the season last year, mm-hmm. um, we had quite a few players locked out. We had what was setting up to be a promising year. And, and then that first game, we fell apart against South Alabama so poorly that Jay Hobson resigned. And Southern Miss went through three different head coach coaches last season. The second head coach, Scotty Walden, did a great job, but he wasn't going to get the head coaching job at Southern Miss. So he took the head coaching job midseason at Austin P. And then we finished up there with the defensive coordinator taking over. So you had players who, you know, went through three different head coaches. It was, it was setting up to be a promising season, just kind of fell apart. Now you get into Will Hall, somebody that comes in who talks the talk, he walks the walk. He brings the enthusiasm. I think the thing that a lot of the fans totally understand that it's going to take a little bit of time to rebuild, kind of to get to where we want to be. And Will Hall's done an amazing job of, of recruiting, especially in Mississippi. So I think that, you know, most of us understand it's going to take a little time. You know how fickle college football fans can be. But um, it has been a rough go. I mean, you know, after the, I guess after the, uh, after a, a game and a half, we lost our starting quarterback Trey Lowe to a foot injury, he's out. So enter, you have a true freshman in Ty Keys, who was a Gatorade player of the year in Mississippi, just a tremendous quarterback. He's got a lot of potential, but does not really have a, a grasp on uh, the offense like he he probably needs to be to, to be the starter. But I, I think that Will Hall is, in a, is a fun head coach. We had him on the show, and it was our most listened to. We've been doing this show for, what, five, six years, and it was our most listened to episode after a few weeks. I mean, he just – he brings the enthusiasm. He's an old school bumpkin football coach. His dad was a coach. So he's a lot of fun to listen to. If you listen to his interviews, they're going to be a lot of fun. But I think that the team is going to be more fun as the season goes along. And as we get a year or two into Will Hall's tenure, we'll really get a good gauge of what kind of head coach he's going to be. You know, he talks about, uh, you said a bumpkin head coach. He, he does sort of he does sort of come across that way, but in all the right ways. He seems to hit all the notes. Uh, Saban talks about, you know, the process. And we're going to go to work every day and get better and not focus on the scoreboard, but focus on the progress. And that's going to give us, you know, the outcome. And Will Hall said a version of that uh, in at least one of the interviews that 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 I talked that, that I listened to. Uh, there's a lot of hard work a- ahead of us, but he seems 
you know, committed to let's do what we need to do every day. And that's the path we, we, we need to go. He almost has sort of an aw shucks persona a little bit, but you can also tell he's hyper serious and hyper accountable uh, himself. And so he's going to be a fun one to watch uh, for you guys. You touched upon quarterback. So let's, let's hit that again. Uh, you mentioned Trey Lowe, the, the starter, went down with an injury against Grambling. Uh, Ty Keyes, a freshman, uh, came in. And, you know, the first thing I did was, well, let's look at the freshman. How did he play? What was his stat line? And uh, and then I was listening to your uh, fellow podcast uh, uh, team, and they were talking about you can't look at the stat line. He was electric the way that he took over the game. And so that was the second half against Grambling. Talk about Ty Keyes. Uh, you know, a little bit against Troy and then sort of the prognosis at the position, not only just Saturday, but for the rest of the season uh, for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Trey Lowe, uh, the original starting quarterback, he kind of he had some struggles in the first game and his, it just something just seemed off. It wasn't he didn't play like he played last year. Um, and then the, the first half of the Grambling game, he had a solid statistically he had a solid game, but it just kind of felt like something was missing, just couldn't quite get it going the way that it needed to. And there was just a different energy when Ty Keys came into the game. Um, he has got a cannon for an arm. He has got, you know, out of the quarterbacks we have, he's, he's definitely the fleetest of foot and uh, just a tremendous athlete, but he doesn't quite fully grasp. And Warhol does a lot of multiple things on offense. It's, it's not an easy offense to, to learn. It's not an easy offense to get thrown into the fire with. So his first week he had, um, he had some success, especially on the ground last week against Troy. Not as much success on the ground, but his completion completion percentage was a little better. I think the more time that he, the more reps that he gets, and two, you've got some, you know, some different guys at different positions um, than, than before. We have, you know, the all line's been shuffled around a lot. There's some new pieces up there up front. Um, our our top receiver, Jason Brownlee, is banged up. He hasn't been 100 percent thus far this season, so. Uh, it, it is kind of tough with some of the pieces around him. And there's a lot of freshmen playing. There's a lot of young players. So right. they'll kind of grow up together. I think Ty Keys, as the season goes along, I think you'll see him continue to improve. It probably is not going to happen this week. It's probably going to take a few more weeks for him to really get going. But he's somebody, in a couple of years, he's somebody that that has some, some really tremendous potential. And it's definitely someone to keep an eye out on. Do you think uh, Trey Lowe will come back this season? You may have already said it if I if I missed. Is his injury season ending, or is he on a on a mend that may have him back here in a couple of weeks? In all likelihood, he will not be back. <clears throat> they haven't announced, you know, whether or not he will be. But in all likelihood, you won't see him again. May not come back. As long as uh, as long as Will all hasn't got to the 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 portion of the offense that's dedicated to the speed option then from an Alabama standpoint, we'll be okay. We, we struggled with that a little bit last week. And so if we don't see that Saturday, then that's, that's probably a good thing. Talk about, uh, talk about the skill personnel. And, and you went that way with Brownlee, the, the receiver, but a couple of freshman running backs, Frank Gore Jr. I mean, his dad's still in NFL and his son's in college. I don't know that that's ever happened. Uh, and uh, Dejon Richard, I think uh, a couple of running backs that are really exciting. And there's a number of receivers that are catching the balls. They seem to be distributing the ball uh, very, very well. And I think there's uh, at least four receivers that have seven or eight balls. So there's a couple of focal points in there. Talk about some of the skill personnel we'll, we'll see on Saturday. You, you obviously have to start with Frank Gore Jr. He's, he really uh, came along. He, he got some early playing time last year and really came along, came on strong 
as the season went along. I mean, he's definitely a chip off the old block. As a true freshman, he was probably one of the most mature players that you would – one of the most mature college football players you'd ever run into. I mean, just – uh, definitely committed to the game, committed to improving his craft that he did a lot of work in the offseason. And he had a really solid game against uh, Grambling two weeks ago. Um, Troy was able to sell out and stuff the run last week, and we just didn't have any answers through the air. So I, I anticipate that you'll see the Crimson Tide do much of the same there. But Frank Gore can't say enough about him. He's, yeah. he's you know, all-conference talent. He's, he's really going to be a, a lot of, of fun to, to watch for the – Golden Eagles this season. And the day John Richard originally was a South Alabama commit, transferred to junior college, and ended up back at Southern Miss after his COVID year. Uh, he's kind of emerged as the, the second string running back. Another one of the running backs, Darius Mayberry, got injured uh, um, two weeks ago and, and is, is probably going to be out for a bit. So we've we've kind of gotten banged up a little bit in several positions, several key positions. As far as receivers go, Brownlee was one that I mentioned. Uh, there's another one named uh, Antoine Robinson, kind of across from Brownlee. But uh, I think that Robinson was injured, and I wasn't aware of this, but one of my co-hosts may be aware, that he had to get stitches in his hand because he caught a Tykes pass that ripped the webbing oh, you're in his kidding. hand. Is that right? So he had to get it stitched up. So I don't know what his status is going to be this week. I think he's going to be able to play. He played some last week. But, uh, get some gloves on, right? <laughs> get some gloves. Yeah, get some gloves on. Get some tape them up. I don't know. Do what you got to do. Uh, th- there's definitely some some players that came to one, one player that really hasn't been used as, as much as he probably will be as the season goes along is the tight end Grayson Gunner. He's a uh, Arkansas transfer. Part of that has just been with the inability to establish the passing game in the way that you would like. Um, but I think as Will Hollows to use the tight end. So I think as the season goes along and we get a little more comfortable throwing the ball that Grayson Gunner will be somebody you'll see um, catching passes. Well, my prediction is he'll have a big day Saturday. Uh, Alabama, uh, the last couple of years, seems to struggle with the tight end. Uh, Florida had uh, no completed passes to the tight end. And uh, going into Saturday, they had eight or nine on Saturday. So (laughs) look for Gunner. uh, If there's an over-under on who's going to have a breakout day, uh, look for the tight end. Uh, We seem to to let the, the tight ends, you know, roam around. Who's the big playmaker? Uh, on offense, who's the guy? Uh, you know, third and long. You you got to watch out for. We've got to have uh, the right man covering. You know, it, it's really tough to say at this point. If on third and long, you know, it you, it, it normally would be Jason Brownlee. Last year, it would have been Jason Brownlee without a question. He just he hasn't been one hundred percent this year. He's a, he's a little slow off the ball. Uh, I'm not so sure that he's completely healthy enough to, to be fully playing right now. So hopefully he can make up some of that. The big playmaker on offense without question is Frank Gore Jr. Though I mean, he's, he's the guy, he's the, he's the heart of the, uh, of the gold Eagle offense. And he's one of the leading receivers, not just running the ball, but uh, he's one of the leading receivers. He's one of those uh, guys with seven. And then uh, I think he's, I think he's up to 73. So he's right at the top, uh, not only running the ball at the top, but right at the top uh, wide receiving. So he, he definitely is an, is an offensive threat. We'll have to watch out for him uh, sort of all over the field. Talk about the, uh, the, the offensive line. Uh, I looked at one of Coach Hall's interviews and, and, and one of the articles in uh, sort of the first half of camp, and it looked like uh, the projection was the offensive line was going to be a position of strength. A couple of positions looked locked up, and he was really excited about the competition uh, at a couple of the uh, other positions. You know, I may be looking at this through the wrong end of the lens, but this far into the season, 
it looks like maybe the offensive line isn't a, uh, a position of strength. And certainly uh, against Troy, that may have manifest with uh, uh, 156 yards, a number of uh, uh, tackles and, and our sacks and, and TFLs. How is the offensive line progressing? Where is it relative to expectation? And how do you see it sort of taking off as the season progresses? Yeah, they definitely haven't lived up to the expectation this year. They're a very big line. Uh, very massive, it, it, you know, pretty much all, all the way across the board. But they've they've looked really slow at times. And 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 when you're when you've got guards pulling in, in the type of offense that we're going to run, uh, you just can't have that and be successful. The right tackle, Khalid Washington, he's he's been a starter now for two years. He's he's been outstanding. He's done a great job. And then Arvin Fletcher at center. Arvin, somebody that's played pretty much every position on the offensive line. And he just had his 50th start in a row the other night. Wow. That COVID season gave him an extra year of eligibility. So he he actually has some NFL potential at the at the center spot. But the other ones, there's there's some good young talent. There's some good un, you know young undeveloped talent. It just really they really haven't gelled like you would hope that they would, you know, this far into the season. All right, let's flip the field, uh, Jamie, and talk about uh, defense. I think defense has been maybe something of a, of a bright spot. Uh, you know, two weeks in, uh, ranked in the top ten, two opponents held to under 100 yards rushing. A lot of lot of good there on defense. Uh, what what's your thought on on defense? Uh, talk about the sort of the alignment three four versus four three. Uh, do you play a lot of nickel? Talk about the sort of the personnel in that regard, and then sort of walk us through who are the key players to watch watch at each of the levels. Yeah, we do play some play some nickel. Basically, you know, I guess you could call it kind of like a, a hybrid three three five or sometimes a four two five. Some of the players to watch: uh, Ty Sykes up front, uh, nose tackle. Um, he's a guy that definitely has some NFL potential. Someone that's that's uh, massive, 6'3", 324 pounds. Um, and I think some of the concerns in the preseason with the defense had to do with the depth up front. But they have been very formidable thus far this year. And and really, you we were talking about it on our show this week. How much they've been as as good as they've been? How much better would they be with an offense that could move the ball? So they've, they've definitely been a bright spot. And, and Ty Sykes is someone to definitely keep an eye out for. There's a, a transfer from southeastern Louisiana named Josh Carr, kind of playing that banded in position. Um, and he's really been outstanding. He's really come on strong and, and, and secured a starting role on the defense. The linebacking core is, is very solid. We've had some injuries, some guys that, you know, probably are our top running back, uh, I mean, excuse me, our top linebacker, is, is out for the season, uh, Rakeem Booth, someone who was, he was an all-conference player two years ago, and then another guy named Hay, Hayes, uh, excuse me, Swayze Bozeman, has been banged up as well and not expected back for another week or two. But the guys that, that have been playing have stepped up and have played really well, Hayes Maples, Avery Havas, uh, Santrell Latham is, is, is very strong. And then in the secondary, you got a guy named Jay Stanley, he's a transfer from Ole Miss, who really, really athletic, can fly out of the ball. He's a lot of fun to watch, but the the MVP for the defense as far as this season is another uh, safety named Malik Shorts. He's a local product. I don't know if you've heard of Bassfield High School, the NFL pipeline that's come from that high school, but Malik comes from from Bassfield in the Jeff Davis County area, and uh, definitely would consider him to be the the superstar on defense this year. Superstar on defense. What about the corners? How strong uh, how strong do you feel uh, about the corners? Corners have been good. Um, you know our. One of our starting corners was out last week, Rashawn Mitchell. I'm not sure what his status is. 
but but we, we've got some depth there. We had a couple of a few JUCO guys that came in last year and it played really well. Eric Scott, Natron Brooks. Uh, they've definitely been solid um, at the cornerback positions on both sides. I'm just not sure about what Rashawn Mitchell's status is for this week. Fair enough. This is a less of a question, but uh, maybe, maybe more just a series of sort of thoughts and statements and sort of throw it against the wall and, and, and see what you think. I have a lot of memories uh, in sort of my Alabama uh, sort of tenure going to going to see Alabama play Southern Miss, uh, be it in Birmingham sort of back in the day, you know, in Tuscaloosa as well. And Southern Miss was always uh, a real game opponent. Uh, it was always a tough game. You knew that, you know, it wasn't in a conference game. It wasn't an SEC game, but it may as well have been because it was always going to be uh, a hard fight. Uh, Southern Miss seemed to there, there was an, an era where it seemed that, you know, always ranked. Uh, you guys were, were winning big games. Sometimes it was against us. And there were multiple seasons where uh, and we always got just it was always sort of a, a, a treat or just a fun thing where Southern Miss would be the top ranked team in Mississippi. And, and so you'd be, you know, ahead of the Ole Miss and the Mississippi State and just the way things have sort of evolved, that, that those aren't the days that you're you're experiencing you know, right now, but talk about uh, a little bit uh, about, you know, sort of that era and then the transition. And, and we've talked about Will Hall, uh, a lot of the the youngsters that he's bringing in and playing and letting play. Uh, do we feel like, do the Southern Miss fan base feel like, hey, this is the path back to where we were? Uh, like I said, probably not a question in there, but just some thoughts. Uh, what, uh, what what do you think about uh, some of those some of those ideas? Yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely. It was a, certainly a mutual respect. Always had a great time, and and it, and for gosh, I can't remember how many years in a row, but we were in in and either playing in Birmingham or in Tuscaloosa every year. And it was mm-hmm. it was always a great time. And yeah, there were some battles, and then you guys messed around and hired Nick Saban, and it just all went south from there. It just <laughs> never was the same. Uh, we didn't we didn't catch Nick in that first year, and uh, we you know. Haven't caught back up to him since. But, uh, Y'all gave Gene yeah. Stallings hell. Y'all just pure gave Gene Stallings <laughs> hell. And, I mean, his debut, and then and then from there, right? Uh, Gene was always, yeah. we need to score twelve points to win, and and by gosh, if the opponent scores eleven, then so be it. And those were some, uh, boy, you guys seem to test us on that more than more than most. I'll say there were some battles. Like I said, it was it was it was definitely a great series. It was always a, a great a big test for us. And you know, like I said, Southern Miss is a place. It's a Blue color school. We are, we always going to have a chip on our shoulder. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier with Ellis Johnson, that's when things kind of fell apart back in 2012. Yeah. And we haven't quite recovered from that. Uh, but between that conference realignment, uh, we've gone through several coaching changes. I do feel like Will Hall is leading us back in the right direction. I think he is really an incredible fit as far as the skill set he brings and the people he knows and the connections that he has, particularly in the region, I, I, I have all the confidence in the world that he'll be able to, to get us back. Now, get us back to a point where we will defeat a Nick Saban team. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say that that's the case at this point, but I, I, getting us back to where we're competitive and we win conference championships is, is, is I think, ultimately the goal that, that we're all, we all have our fingers crossed for. I think it makes a big difference. Uh, wins and losses are certainly nice. It makes a big difference if you feel like the program's going the right way. You can put up with a lot if you if you can sort of see through that and the vision. And it's uh, and it's so painful the other way 
uh, when you feel like we're just we're just wasting time here because we're not going in the right direction. So it's encouraging uh, sort of as a fan from a distance. Uh, an admirer of the of the program. It's uh, it's encouraging to to hear that that you guys feel like you're going the right way uh, with Coach Hall. That's exciting. Yeah, appreciate that. <clears throat> hey, here's a here's an easy one, and then and then and then we'll transition to uh, a couple other topics. But uh, uh, we we typically sort of get fans or get the uh, opponents out with this this type of question. But who's your favorite Golden Eagle of uh, all time? Oh man, that's a tough one. There's so uh, you know, I grew up a Southern Miss fan, like. My uncle growing up played at Southern Miss, played in some of those early 80s games at Alabama. Um, so I've always – I grew up in that. So it's really tough to yeah. say. I would probably say my favorite is a guy that uh, was – that played when I was in school, almost like a almost like a family member. A really awesome guy named Quincy Scott. He's a defensive defensive lineman, played, I think, five years with the Chargers. And then, okay. With the Vikings and Titans after that, just a, a very just love the way he played the game. His enthusiasm on the field never stopped running his mouth. Uh, just just had a just a treat to get to watch him play, and just a super guy. He was uh, I ran into him at the game the other night. So nice, uh, nice. Memory there. I, I think uh, I you know I think of Brett Favre and who's this guy that can't spell his own name right, and he's out here beating <laughs> right. us, you know, and and Legion yeah. Field. That was a that was a tough one, and uh, but I, I think uh, I think I think one of the ones that. Uh, uh, that really stands out uh, to me was uh, running back uh, Derek Nix. Uh, oh, super talented. He had a kidney. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember yeah. at the time sort of reading all about it. He had some sort of issue that that I think kept him – oh, help me remember. Did it keep him out of his senior year? I know it kept him out of the draft, and he really couldn't play ball. But did he miss his senior yeah. year or part of? He played a few games. Yeah. Um, one, one game in particular. When I, when I think about when I'm talking to younger players or fans and just like, okay, you want to – the game – that with the most heart would be Derek Nix against yep. Illinois back in 2002. He rushed forever 200 yards, had two touchdowns, all with a failing kidney. So we didn't, nobody knew that his kidney was right. failing. Every time he broke off a big run, he just puked his guts out. I mean, it was like, and then he'd go right back in there and play. And you're just, we didn't know at the time, but knowing what we know now, it was just, it was quite the feat. Yeah. No, that's uh, he, he's, and I don't think I knew quite all the, you know, those stories, but uh, definitely I remember him being just an outstanding player. Uh, and then you think of a, a young person sort of in their prime, uh, they're about to sort of unleash themselves uh, to the NFL, and uh, you know that it all just sort of went away. And uh, a lot of sort of empathy for that, and a lot of a lot of heart that he represented. And so I had to look him up. And so he's been a, a longtime coach at at Ole Miss, and so I'm glad that he's still getting to fulfill. Uh, you know, his, his uh, football dream uh, there. And so, so that's exciting. You know, we flipped the field offense to defense. I don't know what this flip is, uh, but uh, uh, talk to uh, us a little bit. This is a line of question that uh, we typically don't have uh, with our guests, but uh, you were one of the uh, mascots at Southern uh, Southern Miss. And then you've gone on and done other mascot work. Uh, I think is it. Uh, I thought I saw NFL, the NBA as well. Talk through, you know, your experience as as a mascot. Sort of what some of the behind the scenes stuff that as a fan we don't maybe understand or appreciate. Other than those hot days, we have a lot of empathy for those hot days. But talk about uh, talk about being a mascot and uh, what that took, what that entailed. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll I'll tie it in with my relationship with the the gals at Alabama. Um, you know, I started at Jones Junior College. First, first time I went to, to camp, I, I, I was camp with the Big Owls. And the Big Owls, this is 1998, won the UCA National Championship that year. 
And there is a guy named Shane Shark who has a book about being big out. And it's, it is absolutely incredible. If you can find it at a thrift store or anything like that, Shane's a great, a great friend. I, I had him on uh, one of my other, I had another podcast years back. I had him on that to tell some of his, his stories and they are, they are wild. If you ever get the chance to hear Shane speak or anything about his time as big Al, I, I've got some great stories, but Shane has got some stories that are, I mean, the one time he basically infiltrated WCW thunder and ran out on this, in the ring with his big owl costume on. I mean, there's some stuff he did that's like next level. So I, I've, I have my own shenanigans, but Shane's on another level. So I, Shane was kind of like a, he was kind of like a, a little bit of a mentor uh, to me way back when I started. So I was a Southern Miss fan. I came to Southern Miss. We started competing at nationals. That's had some great times there. Um, after Southern Miss, I went to the Chicago bears. I was the first mascot for the bears back in 2003. And then I went to the Arizona coyotes 2005, 2006 ish, and uh, was was there when Wayne Gretzky was the head coach. So that was that was definitely a treat. Cool. But I, I was also involved in in a very infamous mascot event that took place in Brian Denny Stadium, 20, no, 19 years ago today, in uh, 2000 September 21st, 2002. It was the infamous Seymour versus Big Al fight. You can look it up on YouTube, but. <laughs> The, the the guy that played Big Al, and I don't even know if we're supposed to say the names, but this has been 19 years, so I really don't care. Brent Hill, good buddy of mine. We taught UCA camp, University Cheerleading Association camps, and we roomed together kind of at some of the camps, like in the, the main one in Tuscaloosa. And we talked about it. We were like, okay, this is our last year. Let's do something big. Let's let's do something fun. So we decided to do a WWE-style fight. Yeah, yeah. Start on my side. I get a little bit of the edge. We go to his side. He gets a little bit of the edge, and we kind of just – it just ends and then we go our separate ways or whatever. And um, it lasted about five minutes. And I was worn. I, I was like literally like on the brink of exhaustion. If you see that video. So, you know, I hit him with stone cold stutter. He, he grabs me and throws me through the crimson tides kickers net, which broke and was not usable the rest of the game. Um, you know, we go around, I hit him over there with a chilling megaphone, which shattered. So we ended up doing about $600 worth of damage. Nice. And, okay. And uh, he had to go apologize to coach Francione. And that week, the Southeastern conference issued some kind of a, a mandate that mascots were not allowed to interact during games anymore. Yeah. Because of that incident. In <laughs> That's right. So uh we were responsible for that we we were really good we're still really good friends to this day and uh it was i mean if you've seen wwe you knew it was all planned but some sure. folks did not some folks did not know that it was planned and i know that this year coach there at alabama got some got some letters and good talking to from from right. folks I love the backstory. And so sort of maybe I'm, maybe I'm sort of leaning that, that way with this, this question. I've, you know, we've all seen sort of mascots and, you know, sort of duke it out. And then, you know, sort of the home, the home mascot always sort of gets the upper edge, right. It's sort of just the yeah, nature yeah. of it. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I watched it and it's like, yep, it, it, it followed sort of, the, the formula, you got the drop on him and then he spun it around and got the drop on you. And, and typically that's, that's that's the end, right? That's sort of the the it of it. What talk about sort of the planning you guys did and said, you know, there there must have been a moment where you guys said, and then we're gonna keep going and going and going. Because even watching it, I was like, yep, yep, that looks like, oh, wait a second, they're doing it again. 
And then, and then again, and it was, it was fun to sort of watch and it did sort of become its own sort of show. And so that's interesting that you guys plan. We're going to do a big sort of shebang, you know, talk about that a little bit. Did you guys actually sort of get a talking to or getting in, you know, sort of in trouble, whatever sort of the mascot jail is, but uh, what was sort of the process there where you guys said, no, we're going to keep going. I don't think any, like the game was going on. Like, I don't think anybody who, I don't think anybody in a position to make any decisions was paying attention to us. I mean, the fans were, but we didn't get, I got in absolutely no trouble. Like I I got a call from him after the fact, like, Hey, I had to go do this and this. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, But we, we really had a, a, we knew it was both of our last times to face off and we, there was a mutual respect. So we didn't want to have like, somebody go up the winter. We just wanted to keep battling and just kind of like sure. at the end, we kind of crash into each other and both fall down. And, and both fall down. Away. That was kind of like how we wanted to do it. You know, I'm sure we would have taken the die for each other or whatever. Sure. 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 But it was just kind of a mutual respect thing, but yeah, nobody said a word to us even really. I, I don't think after the fact, nobody, nobody said anything until I think after the game is when, is when uh, the wrath came down upon him. So <laughs> No, that's uh, that's funny. Talk about uh, just, uh, you know, I want to sort of poke at the, the mascot angle just a little bit. There are days yeah. that I've been in the stands and it's just so blazing hot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, you have to wear that suit. And then I've wondered, well, how many people are doing that? And are there different suits or like if you're the third person in, are you wearing like two people's worth of sweaty suit, like all these like disgusting questions. Those are the one that I have. And on like, a, like a cold day when it's a cold day, is it like, yeah, I'm mascotted up. I'm, I'm, I'm the most comfortable person here. Like what is sort of what's, what's that dynamic a little bit like? Oh yeah, definitely. There, there are, um, especially at, at college programs, you'll have multiple performers. Uh, ideally you want to try to get people of a similar height. That isn't always possible, but there are multiple costumes. Usually you have, you know, two or three costumes, Hopefully you're able to change into your own costume. Sometimes that's not the case. I've had to, I've had to share the funk a few times and this, you know, I wouldn't do it now, but back in college, I guess it was a little more open. We can say that about a lot of things, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, So yeah, it was, uh, it does get very nasty in there. As far as being cold, like we're all in the South. It's, it's hot more often than it's going to be cold. When the times it is cold, man, it was, we played TCU, I think it was LaDainian Tomlinson's senior year in the Mobile Bowl. And that was one of the coldest games I've been a part of, even in my time in Chicago. I mean, it was so cold in Mobile. And I did not want to get out of that suit. I did not want to. I wanted to stay in there as long as I could. But we had to, we, we had a, we were rotating on the quarter basis. So couldn't do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's fun stuff. Uh, it's, it's like I said, that's a little extra. We don't get uh, that type of insight. Yeah. So I appreciate you sort of indulging us uh, a little bit. Jamie, wish you, uh, we wish you guys nothing uh, but the best of luck uh, starting next week. Uh, but uh, it's the <laughs> nature of it. It's the nature of it. And uh, certainly excited. You know, it's exciting. We know you guys a little bit na- better now. And certainly with the coach and the youngsters, exciting to see sort of the trajectory of the other program. We want to get back to uh, – I say this, we, like we're with you guys. We want to get back to, to Southern Miss because we have this muscle memory uh, of what you guys, you know, have been. And we want to see you guys back there again. Uh, these uh, these players that we all know that come through the program, uh, the success that you guys have. And, damn it, if you can be the best team in Mississippi again, we're going to root for that too. So, Jamie, thanks for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. 
Dave, thank you for having me. And hey, my best to the Crimson Tide after that. Not like you necessarily need it, but my best to the Crimson Tide after this week as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. And welcome back. Hope you guys uh, all enjoyed the interview with Jamie with To The Top Talk. Uh, it was a fun conversation for me, and I hope, uh, hope you all uh, enjoyed it as well. I'm going to give a plug for – I'm going to actually do two things, uh, both geared towards – uh, the member program and joining uh, the member program. I am recording this. It is almost nine o'clock uh, Eastern on Tuesday. And so you compare that to when you're listening uh, to this. It'll probably be uh, Wednesday or Thursday before this is released publicly. A version of this, in fact, a very raw version that has my uh, introduction, conversation, greetings with Jamie. Uh, he was a couple minutes late, and so you hear me sort of fill a little bit, and then sort of the wrap-up, the post-interview conversation uh, that we have. You get to hear uh, the, the raw sort of outtake version of this. Uh, it's going to post Tuesday night, and so you may get this two full days early uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a member in, in, on the private feed. And so I encourage you to do that. For as little as $2 a month, you can test drive uh, the private feed. I think we have 80-something private shows that are only available. Now, they go back a couple of seasons, but they're private shows that are only available uh, on the private feed. Uh, you get these raw versions of every show that we're doing this year, the interview as well as the weekly. So I recorded uh, the Florida game. I recorded it on Sunday. It did not, it did not post until Tuesday, coming back from editor. Uh, if you're in the <clears throat> member program, you would have heard that. Uh, uh, Sunday night. You could have heard that uh, Sunday night. And so you get the shows a lot faster uh, if you're uh, on the private feed. The second thing I want to emphasize uh, on the private feed, we're going to do a, uh, a lottery, if you will, and uh, give away a ticket to an upcoming game. And as I look at the schedule right now, I'm thinking it's either going to be the Arkansas game or the new uh, uh, Mexico State game. And, uh, and it may be either of those games, depending upon availability of, uh, of the winner. And so that's going to be a drawing for a free ticket to sit with me at the game. Uh, that might be worth, uh, interest. Uh, if it is again, sign up for uh, a couple of, a couple of bucks, uh, during the season. And, uh, yeah, have to be a member at the time of the game to win, but you know, two, four, six, eight bucks, uh, uh, to get through the rest of the season or 18 bucks for the, for the, for a full calendar year from the time you enroll. So it would be even, uh, into next season, uh, definitely could be worth it. Uh, and, um, the odds, it's, it's favorable odds. We do not have uh, a couple hundred uh, uh, subscribers, and so it could be very, very favorable favorable odds uh, for a free ticket, uh, and that would certainly make uh, make the deal worthwhile. So uh, if you haven't enrolled yet, you're interested in getting all of these shows early, and you're interested in uh, potentially winning the ticket, go ahead and sign up, Alabama Football Podcast at uh, gmail.com is an email if you have any questions or Alabama football podcast, uh, com is the website. And there's all sort of banner ads uh, that, uh, that you can check out there uh, for more information and just, just super easy uh, sign up. And if you do that, uh, you'll get an invitation uh, with link information to this weekend, Saturday morning's uh, Zoom call. And we welcome you to, uh, to join us there as well. All right, all right, all right. Enough of the hard sell. Uh, but look, I think there's some cool stuff there and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully worth your while. <clears throat> Consider it. Uh, drop me some email. Drop me some questions about uh, opponents. Uh, 
excuse me, uh, drop me some questions, uh, upcoming opponents. If there's questions that you have that you want me to ask, uh, then drop those. If there's interesting sort of uh, points of fact that you want me to poke at with uh, uh, someone from the opposing side, definitely reach out. We are already lining up uh, uh, interviews. Uh, Ole Miss isn't locked in, uh, but we have uh, Texas A&M. Uh, right at locked in. We have Mississippi State uh, right at locked in, and we have our Tennessee uh, interview right at locked in. So for the next <clears throat> three of the next four, uh, we've got uh, we're just in the process of, of scheduling. We have our participant uh, identified and uh, Ole Miss. I think we have our target identified, and we're just working on uh, uh, working on, on scheduling there. We're just not as far along. But the the point there is we're going to keep doing these. Uh, you guys are enjoying them. We're enjoying them. And uh, it's another reason uh, to maybe uh, be a part of the member so you get the shows early. All right. This time, I promise, no more rambling uh, about that. But do let us know if you have any questions about the, the podcast, uh, the team, uh, or anything in general. We'll do our best to answer them. Uh, and, again, drop us an email at, at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. With that, yep, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. All right. Thanks, Brian. I got a little long, yeah, a little long-winded there, uh, but it is what it is. All right. I'm going to drop this and uh, drop you an email uh, with this information, and we shall go from there. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.